Hello and welcome to this episode of the coaching podcast from British Canoeing. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the British Canoeing Coaching Podcast. This week I'm going to be talking again to Darren Clarkson about mental health. We're going to expand on our conversation we had last time in episode eight. I think it's a really, really important topic and again, really pertinent in the current landscape. One in four people currently experience various mental health conditions annually. Um, and obviously the COVID pandemic accelerated that. We're now on the way out, which is really good and, and beneficial for mental health. But we still need to talk and have these conversations and open up to each other. Before you listen, just a pre-warning. On this podcast, we discuss some sensitive subjects around mental health and some things that may be triggers for those suffering with mental health conditions. It's an important conversation that's becoming more and more pertinent, but please only listen if you can. On that note, Darren, thank you very much for joining me. Well, hello, everyone. Hello. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, I have been since we did the last one, so yeah, this is um, this is going to be really good, really beneficial for for our listeners. Yeah, so, we'll, we'll just see how things pan out. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So I'm, I'm going to kick off with a question straight away um, and we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. So as a paddle sports leader, you're a trusted individual to the paddlers you work with and may have a paddler open up to you about their mental health struggles. What advice would you give someone who is being opened up to? Because it can be quite a, a challenging experience. Oh, it can be very challenging, for, especially if it's like you're, the first time you've come across that situation and the basic advice I can give is unless you are a trained mental health professional you cannot obviously diagnose you've just got to bear witness just bear witness uh, and obviously educate yourselves everyone should be educated anyway uh, into where to signpost people so if you have somebody that for example Discloses to you because I want I'll use the word disclosure because it is quite an important word. Uh, disclosure to you that they have PTSD. It's probably beneficial for you to actually have a grasp of what PTSD is before they even disclose. And I, I know some people listening might say, but I don't have the time to understand mental health issues. I don't have the time to read up on this stuff. And that's fine. You don't necessarily need to have the time. But I think it's just sensible for people in this landscape, uh, like I say, one in four people at the moment uh, have issues uh, or concerns. It's really just beneficial to know where to signpost people. Uh, if they are struggling, obviously you've got the doctors, you've got MIND, uh, lots of other resources that I'm not going to go into now because it's, this is not necessarily the podcast for that. Uh, and I think each individual, or if you're in a club, maybe you have a mental health officer, mental health first aider I would urge people to go on mental health first aid courses just like you would go on a, a normal first aid course I would urge people to go on those and refresh those as needed uh, that'll help you to pick up the signs just like you pick up a sign of somebody with broken wrist you might be able to pick up a sign for somebody that's suffering with depression for example or PTSD or maybe an eating disorder and like obviously that. it's a, a lot harder to to recognize those signs those symptoms if you like compared to an actual physical um a, a physical issue so if someone had broken their wrist 
probably a lot easier to recognise than someone with depression if you're not trained in that. Exactly. And I think one of the issues on the back of that is if somebody breaks a wrist or breaks a leg, we then don't tell people they can go kayaking or they can run a marathon because they've got a broken leg or a broken wrist. But when somebody tells us that I'm suffering with depression or PTSD or, uh, you know, I'm in a maybe like a, a cycle of uh, in my mental health, lots of people are like, let's just, just deal with it. Just come kayaking, just deal with it. Uh, and people confuse uh, the outdoors for therapy. The outdoors environment is therapeutic. As research, it is a therapeutic environment. It is not therapy. Uh, which brings me really nicely, actually, to, to some of that. It's a bit of a bugbear of mine. So people, you see it on social media all the time, and you see it in pub conversations and fireside chats and over restaurants and over morning breakfast and all that stuff. Is you, see, you see people go, kayaking's my therapy. Well, kayaking is not your therapy, is it? Because it's not therapy, it's therapeutic. And I know it's a linguistical thing but it devalues the outdoors and it devalues therapy. Because if you're in a peer group and you're saying kayaking's my therapy, that may stop somebody uh, seeking out therapeutic input uh, from a trained therapist because they believe that there's a, as a society or as a collective or as a peer group that that's sufficient uh, and it may stop people from doing that. And uh, we do as... As adults, and I think we do hide from mental health issues quite a lot in the, in the word, in, the, in our words uh, and our actions. I think we hide from it. Yeah, I um, I, I I massively agree, and again, I agree with the mental health first aid. I think actually, clubs, organisations having a mental health champion for people to direct any concerns to is is very is, is a good idea. Um, but obviously, you've also got safeguarding officers as well for for anything like that. Um, and, and yeah, like you say, just educating yourself about signposting places. Um, I mean, one of the really easy ways to signpost it, especially if you're in a, uh, like a club, uh, it doesn't work so well if you're just peers paddling, but if you have a club, it's really, really simple to put those signposting uh, primers, for want of a better word, so leaflets, web page addresses, uh, sort of maybe on the back of the toilet system if you've got a club out of the toilet you could leave like leaflets for mind uh, for example i'm just i'm just using mind as a as an example uh, you just leave the leaflets there there's no big hoo-ha about it but somebody goes to the bathroom maybe picks it up and it rings a bell for them and and they can follow that through nobody's pushing the agenda but it's sort of there um in the same way that you might have them in doctor's waiting rooms no one pushes that agenda but they are there yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think an, another thing with, with when someone opens up to you is it's important to understand, like you alluded to earlier, you're not a mental health trained professional. But yes, you are a trusted adult or, or, or trusted person within that person's life. And actually, the best thing you can do there is just sit and listen and be a friend and be someone who's there to support rather than try and fix the issue. Um, because trying yeah. to fix the issue is is not going to work. Yeah. It's, it's going to make it 10 times worse. Actually, just being there and being someone to listen um, and to help them get the help they need from professionals, from the doctor, from a therapist, um, is 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 the best way of going about it. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I mean, obvious. I mean, it says that it's obvious. I mean, it's not obvious if you don't know these things. 
Yeah. Uh, because it does seem natural that you want to help and you want to perhaps, you know, if it's, if it's a normal first aid, I say normal first aid, if it's a physical first aid issue and somebody's broken a leg, it can be quite obvious that your leg's broken. So you can tell somebody your leg's broken. Yeah. Uh, whereas with mental health, especially if you're bearing witness to somebody saying, uh, you know, I've got something to do with a big bad depression at the moment, or something PTSD effects at the moment, uh, or bulimia, anorexia, you need to be really careful there that you don't put a value judgment on that. Yeah. Now, we spend a long time in our society, a long time, uh, decades, in fact, of stigmatising people with mental health concerns and issues. And I don't really like the word mental health. Uh, mental wellness is probably a better term, but it's a term we use is mental health, so I'm sticking with that. Uh, but we have to be really careful that we don't well, put a value judgment uh, on that and stigmatise it. But similarly, uh, anyone that is struggling with their mental health, mental wellness, there's an internal stigma about talking about it because yeah. how will how will people perceive me? How do I perceive myself? Now I've got this, uh, I'm disclosing this information. So there's an internal stigma as well that people, lots of people uh, sort of have a, a battle with. And like I said, the best thing to, to do is just bear witness and signpost as needed. Yeah. There, there are obvious, obvious, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Obvious red flags, I'm going to say, and that the first obvious red flag, and is the most important one, is when people are talking about suicide. Yeah. Uh, that one, uh, straight away, it needs to be acted on. It cannot be just bear witness to. You know, you cannot just sit and listen to somebody as they talk about their mental health, uh, their hopelessness, their feelings of suicide, and walk away from that conversation. Yeah. That's just not a thing. Uh, it's also not a people. Lots of people believe that if you talk about suicide to somebody and ask them, that they will then follow through that. Uh, that's not the case. If people are open up about suicide and you talk to them, they're going to be in no worse state than before they had the conversation. So you do need to act on that. Uh, there's lots of other times, that, and I don't know, need to go into these uh, in, the, in the podcast because I think they're all individual. Uh, but if you are bearing witness to people telling you, things and you feel that action is needed there and then uh, you need to signpost or go to A&E or go to the doctors with uh, the person just in the same way that you would with a physical first aid issue uh, if someone broke an arm or a leg you would mm. take them to the A&E you wouldn't say you know yeah, exactly. go, there, go, go there yourself and put the kettle on you would go with them yeah uh, it's exactly the same thing but obviously each each situation is different uh, and I'm not saying that each individual situation follows the same pattern. Mm. So from what I've just described, doesn't necessarily flow with each time somebody tells you. Yeah, completely agreed. And I mean, we've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole here with this question, but it's really good because it's it's, it's opening up caveats that need to be talked about. And, and one that I thought about what you're discussing is I think the most important thing to do is not be dismissive at all. You can't be dismissive of what that person is telling you, you can't just turn around and say, for example, oh no, don't worry, you're not depressed, you're just feeling a little bit down today. That mm. is going to make it 10 times worse. So I personally um, have had issues with my mental health in the past and opening up to people 
as you say, is one of the hardest things you do because of that internal and external stigma. But there was a stage where I said it to someone and they said, well, no, you're not. You're just having a bad day. And that sort of really knocks me back at that stage, right back down to the stage where I didn't then want to tell anyone for another few months because yeah. they just dismissed it. And I thought, well, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm in my own head. Um, and that was actually with a doctor's diagnosis as well. And it mm-hmm. just made me question it all. And yeah, just being dismissive is presents the worst thing to do in that situation. Yeah, but, um, you know, I think you had this, but, uh, you know, it takes a strong person to open up and tell somebody else about their mental health struggles. And, and it is a struggle. To use the word struggle does not dismiss it in any way, shape or form. Yeah, yeah uh, of course. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, you've just talked about your mental health. I, I, I mentioned PTSD a lot because I've got a PTSD diagnosis mm-hmm. myself. And it's interesting because when I first got the diagnosis, I suffered a lot with the internal stigma. Because I believed that having the PTSD diagnosis was only the thing that like war veterans got. Yeah. Uh, and I've never been in the forces. So I was like, well, I've not witnessed all this stuff. But then, you know, there's various sort of points in my life where over succession of years where things have happened that would be warlike, I guess. But that's not even the diagnosis of PTSD. But when you tell somebody, they're like, oh, I never knew you were in the forces. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but I've never been. But it's just their sort of uh, understanding of what PTSD is or what mental health is. It's their preconception, so, isn't it? Yeah. It's that preconception of, oh, PTSD is this, or anxiety is this. There's, there's preconceptions and biases throughout society. It's ex- exactly. Which is why it's, you know, when people do open up to you, you have to be non judgmental and just bear witness um, because everyone's going to be feel differently about it. Uh, and it can be hard to talk about, which is why I do quite like doing these podcasts. Mm. And it can be hard to bear witness to and listen to. Especially uh, if it's someone you care about as well. Yeah. Because it, it then becomes quite a tricky situation if they're telling you about struggles that they're having in their life. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong. I've, I have a, a few people that have, have spoken to me about their uh, mental health issues and concerns. And I use the word concern sort of quite carefully because they they have a, a diagnosis, but they're concerned about how they feel on their sort of spectrum. So I use that word quite carefully. But I've, I have stopped conversations, which is really, you've got to judge it quite well, but I've stopped conversations and asked them if I could invite somebody else into that conversation, because mm. I needed that third person to be there to support me as much as support the person that was telling me. Now, you, obviously you've got to choose your timing right, because you don't want to stop a conversation in its flow. Because that may regress somebody telling you, but if you've got a good relationship, good rapport with the person telling you, you should be, that should be okay in some circumstances. Because then that's safeguarding your own mental well-being as well. Yeah, of it's course. It's a lot to take in, um, and and we're not we're not at all devaluing how hard it is for the person being opened up to. Um, obviously, it's, it's extremely hard to open up, but it's also hard to be the one that sits there and 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 hears it. Um, mm-hmm. And we're not devaluing yeah. that in, in any way, shape or form. And actually, like you say, you, you need that support if you're that person in that situation as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's really interesting, I'm going to sort of go slightly off tangent, yeah. but, it will, but it will come back. Uh, what's really interesting is no, sometimes, sometimes we get to a point of crisis through pleasure. 
So kayaking, for example, gives us a lot of pleasure, or canoeing, or whatever we term we're going to use paddle sport, or maybe use paddle sport. Uh, we get to a part of crisis because we have our adrenaline surge and we have lots of friends around us and we, we're on like an emotional high, mm. especially if we're doing things that are pushing our, you know, pushing us emotionally. And then we're on a high. And then a few days later, when our adrenaline's gone and our serotonin's gone, we're on an emotional low. Yeah. Now, that is the time when we need to be sort of checking in with each other. Uh and I'm not talking about, you know, somebody telling you things that you didn't already know, but that is the time, I think, as, as peer paddlers or as club paddlers, where we can send out that WhatsApp message, or I'm sure there's other social media platforms, but I'm not like, uh, we can send out those messages, those phone calls, and just check in with people, you know, yeah. how you getting on. We, we, you know, maybe on the Monday or the Tuesday, we could do that from the weekend, you know, it's a couple of days later, we can check in with people, how are you feeling, how are you getting on? And it just needs a little you know, message, really. Uh, no details, just how, how are you getting on? And if we foster a culture of openness, mm. people will open up uh, about how they feel. Now, it's quite difficult for people. It's quite hard for, I think, for men, for a lot of men of a certain age, it's really difficult. Yeah. Because we are in a culture surrounded by language of masculinity and we don't like showing our vulnerabilities. Now, something I've actually started doing when I go to the rivers, especially if it's a drive to a river, is have a roundabout chat about vulnerabilities. Mm. With a bit of my friends in the car, just a roundabout chat, you know, like we drive along, how are you feeling? And a couple of my friends have got young kids and they're like, oh, I was up all night with a youngster, uh, work's been heavy this week. So automatically I'm thinking about, well, they're in a vulnerable position now you know, on the way to the river because they're tired, they're overworked, they're stressed, so they're vulnerable. And, you know, I'll talk about, you know, my work patterns or how maybe I've not been in the boat for a few weeks and the rivers are high. So we know whether we sit in that sort of vulnerable space. Uh, and to use the word vulnerable is perhaps not the right word, but it, it certainly beats a conversation where we talk about manning up. Yeah, and that leads me very nicely onto the next question. So... I mean, as you've alluded to, I think it's 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 quite well known that men suffer more with their more in silence with their mental well-being. There's plenty of statistics out there and plenty of research out there saying that that men will keep it to themselves until until unfortunately they can't take it anymore. And as you say, fostering that culture of openness is is really beneficial to open up. So the phrase "man up" can be flippantly thrown about. What are the implications of this on men struggling with mental health conditions? Oh, it's, it's a horrible, it's a horrible use of words, but we all use it. Uh, or have used it. Uh, it's a horrible, horrible word, but it implies a certain sort of detached masculinity, right? Now, you know, I'm a forty-six-year-old bloke, uh, and so my role models as a youngster growing up were sort of cigarette-smoking race car drivers. Mm. and cigarette smoking footballers and beer drinking rugby players and then action movie heroes like Bond and then you've got like the 80s movie heroes, Muscles, Stallone, Schwarzenegger. So then they were my role models growing up. So you, you, you could never imagine like a Bond movie or like a Stallone movie where the lead character talks about vulnerability. Mm. It just isn't a thing. And if there is that vulnerability, it's masked by, I'm just going to beat this guy up. Yeah. 
I'm just going to step up and just beat this guy up because uh, he's made me feel so. There is a sort of a generation of guys that have those role models, and I'm sure that you know if you're in your twenties or your thirties or a teen, that there are role models that don't necessarily sit with how you see yourself in the world, and that can be really difficult. You know, using the phrase "man up," even in jest, can emphasise uh, that sort of stereotype, which is really difficult. Uh, really interesting as well is I find this myself. I've got a lot of friends I've known for years, and we do. When I say we do this, do a check-in. Our check-in with each other is, "You all right?" That's it. Yeah. Like, you all right? Yeah. Or you might throw that odd curse word in, because you know, when we were all at school, and I'm sure this still happens in school now, is you know you walk down the school, and you see your mate, and you might flick him the V's or punch him in the arm as your way of saying hello. Yeah. Uh, I push him and you just like banter. Well, the, it's the, the way of showing affection, isn't it? The way of showing affection without by protecting yourself. Uh, so that echoes through into adult life. And I quite often fill my friends up and, you know, you're all right, all right. And that's it. Like, that's our check in. But we sort of know each other well enough that if we did want to talk to somebody about, you know, I'm tired or stressed, we would go into that. Yeah. But it's not enough sometimes. You do need to expand that to be. You know, how are you feeling? Uh, I was in a meeting yesterday, just going off tangent, but staying with the sort of mm. thread. And I do go off tangents quite a lot, listeners. So I'm really sorry. Uh, that's that's really good for. Yeah, but I was in, I, I was in a meeting yesterday. Uh, there was about twelve of us in the meeting, and before the meeting started, this was a a meeting about uh, without talking in detail about the meeting. It was about children's services, uh, safeguarding stuff and um, we were also about 12 of us in and before the meeting started we all spoke about how we were feeling uh before the meeting so some people were, were talking about how tired they were some people was like i've just had a few days off this is my first meeting back i know i've had covid some people were like you know what i'm a little bit shaken i watched a documentary last night and it really affected me and everyone just went around and nobody was guarded and everyone was open and at the end, everyone was like, we feel vulnerable now because we've shared. So then we went round and everyone was like a positive about everyone, you know, because obviously we knew each other from previous meetings or previous work. And we went round and praised everyone. So that was a really good way to start the meeting. And it sort of put us in the present moment of that meeting. Uh, because I'm sure we've all been in meetings or conversations where somebody's quite sharp and snippy and snappy. And you're like, oh, that's dead rude. But once you've got the backstory, you actually know why. Yeah. Uh, so that was a really good way of starting the meeting, and I like that. And I'm not saying we start all our AGMs and whatever you like that, but it's probably worth thinking about. Yeah, and, and, and like you say, again, it goes back to that fostering a culture. So you've actually given me quite a good sort of idea for for a, almost an analogy. So you say about Bond being a role model and how it used to be that you'd never really see any vulnerability there at all. Um, I recently watched the newest Bond movie and I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but there are moments in that where you can quite openly see he's showing his vulnerability. And I think that's a culture shift in terms of it's 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 almost more accepted for men like that to now show their sort of very macho men to now show their vulnerability. Um, and it, it's showing that there is a culture shift happening, but there's still work that needs to be done. I mean, the reason I bring up the... An up comment is again when I was opening up to someone about mine 
um, there was a stage where I was really struggling and they just said to me, look, you just need to man up and get on with it. And again, like that's potentially the worst thing you can hear because in that moment you just think, well, man up. So because I'm a man, that means I've got to just suppress everything that's making me feel absolutely horrendous and get on with it for life. Um, and that that's why sort of flippantly using man up, nine times out of 10, it might not impact someone massively, but there'll be one time where without realising you've, you've, you've really, really hit them hard. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because we do say things and we don't mean it at all. Yeah. You know, we say a flippant comment and, I, you know, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure you're guilty of it. I'm sure even parents and children are guilty of it. And it, that echoes on, you know, down the down the line. And we don't mean anything by it, but the person hearing that. Uh, someone said to me the other day, actually, because I was explaining that I was doing this podcast, and they said, oh, I'm talking about mental health just fashionable at the moment. And it wasn't said in a flippant way. It was said in a way to like to support that it is good to talk about this sort of thing. And it has become a, almost like a buzzword to talk about. And that's a good thing. You know, it, as you just talked about bonding, it, it's a culture that's sort of uh, fostering openness and discussing those sort of things. But for a moment, I was like, are you being negative about that? Are you being derogatory about this? Because I've never seen myself as fashionable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so when somebody said to me, oh, it's quite fashionable at the moment. And it took me a while to process that. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's what I said, but we need to talk about this stuff. Uh, and we, we really do. We need to sort of stop the stigma and we need to be a bit more open about it, really. Yeah, no, but, I, again, couldn't, you know, couldn't agree more. Um, uh, but, you know, sorry, just to listeners, don't feel bad, you know, if, if you say some sort of word like man up mm. and, and somebody is affected by that. Because you you meant no harm in that. It's, you didn't say it with malice. Uh, and it's just a spur-of-the-moment thing. And if you realise later that it was down to that phrase, you can apologise. Yeah. And, and say, I meant no malice by it. It was just a phrase. There are obvious phrases that are full of malice, you know. And uh, I'm sure we can all battle those off. But they are offensive, and it's not the time to be saying them. <laughs> but, I'm sure, but you know what I mean? We're not Bernard Manning, are we? <laughs> right i'm gonna I'm gonna head on to sort of i'm gonna go last question i'm gonna combine almost a twofold so firstly why is it so important to consider your mental well-being as a paddle sports leader and the second fold is how can exercise in particular paddle sports help people with their mental well-being right a good two-part i like that right if we as paddle sport leaders, coaches, guides, peer leaders, uh, whatever we want, whatever sort of position we want to put ourselves in, even if it's paddling with peers and we are the one that is taking the lead, as in we're going to the river that is our choice of river, or where the stronger and where the bleeding it, uh, we need to sort of understand, or at least have a good basic grasp of our emotional grounding. And so this sounds a bit sort of weird use of language, but we need to understand how we are on that day. Because how we act, as I've just alluded to earlier, how we act in that day will ripple on with the people that we are uh, coaching, guiding, instructing, you know, whatever words we use. They will ripple on uh, through their day. You know, I can remember 
the one of the instructors I had when I was a teenager, so we're talking 30 years ago, and his way of dealing with uh, people on the river was to shout at them and almost abuse them, you know, swear at them if they missed eddies and things like that. But looking back, I can see his mental health. You know, he was a, he was a miner in Yorkshire. He'd lost his job. I can look back at that and see his vulnerabilities there. But at the time, it really affected me as a, as a young teenager. So if, if we understand our own, our own vulnerabilities or our own uh, weaknesses, we can try and keep those in check um, and be a little bit more balanced in our approaches. It's really easy, really, really easy to get caught up in adrenaline. It's really, really easy to fly off the handle in stressful situations. I'm thinking uh, not just white water environments, but you know, even sheltered water environments, but with a larger group, uh, especially if there's somebody not quite listening. Uh, it's really easy to sort of lose your cool, if we're using those words, uh, because you always think of the worst case scenario and that can sit with you and bubble up. If that, if you're the sort of person that does sit, think about worst case scenarios, uh, but try and keep yourself in check. There, for me, that there, there's also to use, you know, the words from Star Wars: only a Sith will deal in absolutes. So, whilst I'm talking about this stuff now, and you know, we'll be having this discourse, there's no yes and no, no right and wrong. We need to sort of walk down a middle path. Uh, I'm sure that's something that Yoda would say, but we have to go down the sort of middle path uh, and be, just be mindful of our, you know, walking off either side of it. And that's okay to walk off either side, as long as we understand that. Uh, which really nicely brings us to this sort of, how is the outdoors beneficial? It's funny, there's loads of research on this, uh, about mental wellness, about going outside in the sunshine and feeling the sun and feeling the rain and, there's also loads and loads of research, loads of research about mindfulness, isn't there? And I'm sure people that listen to this podcast uh, understand the basic principles of mindfulness. And I'm not talking about, you know, some sort of vipassana meditation, take no harm, plum village stuff here. I'm talking about the basic principles of this is happening now. You know, the water droplets falling off the leaves, the leaves are changing colour, we're going into a different season at the moment the birds may be migrating, that point of mindfulness. Not, I'm not thinking about my bills. I'm not thinking about work. I'm thinking about the moment. And Palisport gives us that in a quite condensed form. Because if we are thinking about, you know, our issues of paying bills and maybe work, we will, I won't say we won't enjoy our paddle spot, but we will not be able to function in a position that, uh, Benefits us in paddle sports. So I'm thinking of like a white water environment or surf environment, uh, rafting maybe, where if we are thinking about those bills and not in the present moment, we might miss that eddy. We may not be able to put those keystrokes in uh, at the, all the time. So that's really important. But with all that research in place, people still forget it. And that's okay. One really cool thing about doing stuff in the outdoors, and I'm talking about paddle sports in general, is, it, and I've alluded to this at the start of the podcast, is it does take us to a point of crisis. And crisis is a word, uh, well, I'm sure we could put other words in there, and I'm okay with that. Uh, it's sort of, because it lifts our adrenaline up, it gives our heart rate up. We can almost put ourselves 
into a traumatic experience, but in a safe way. So if you are somebody that kayaks or canoes in the closed cockpit environment, do you remember that first time you did a capsize drill uh, with or without a spray deck? Yeah. Uh, and then, so you're putting yourself in a place of trauma because going upside down in a river or even a swimming pool yeah. or lake or whatever, it's quite traumatic. Yeah, def- definitely. Right? Yeah. You know, and I don't care how many people are sort of waist deep in water on the bank watching you, helping you and all that. It's still quite traumatic. Uh, and then the first time you pull your spray deck and swim out of that boat, it's still quite traumatic. But we sort of put ourselves in that place of trauma. And what it does at a certain level, uh, paddle sport, is it allows us to understand sort of safe trauma so we can then possibly uh, process external trauma. And I'm not saying that there's a direct correlation here. What I'm saying is it may help some people. And uh, I think that's quite important. But also it gives us a good social network of people yeah. uh, to talk to as well. You know, like we, we all know that having friends that we can talk to is really important to our mental well-being. We all know that looking after our physical health affects our mental health. We know that. We know that sometimes we eat rubbish. You know, we eat atrocious food. And it makes us feel atrocious. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Uh, but we still do it because we're human and that's what we do. You know, uh, because it's how we conditioned it, really. You know, we, we are conditioned to eat rubbish food a lot of the time uh, because fast food chains, when the people, there's research on this, that they're nearly all red. Fast food chains have got red logos. Yeah. So red, red fuels our uh, hungry receptors and then we eat more. Uh, but also, we quite often uh, eat sweets and cake at significant events in our life. You know, birthdays, Christmases, Easter, we eat sweets and cakes. We, they're bad for us, you know, just, just bad for us. But we do it. Uh, you know, you go away on an adventure, guaranteed the instructor's going to have a, a bag of sweets in the pockets to help yeah. people get through. Uh, but there's a time and a place for it. Tell us we need that sugar rush, but then people feel bad afterwards because the sugar's gone, <laughs> you know. So... But anyway, having a club or having a group of peers and having a common interest is really good. Obviously, more and more it happens that we talk on social media about stuff and then people just become opinionated really easy. Uh, so you even a simple question like, what boat should I get? And you really want boat X from manufacturer. Yeah. And yet someone's going, no, that's an atrocious boat. Don't do that. He's rubbish. And you think, but I really want it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you feel bad because you're like, I really wanted that boat. It was blue and it matches the helmet. Uh, so I'm just, the term be kind is like overused, overused a lot. Uh, in, the, in the right sort of, in the right meaning. Uh, so I'm going to say be kind. Uh, but if we understand our vulnerabilities, when we read that stuff or we type that stuff, we can sort of process it if we if we understand it. And I've, sort of gone off, I've, I've sort of gone off a bit. But yeah, let's go go out and enjoy. It's hard though, isn't it? It's hard, yeah. It can be hard sometimes to sort of get yourself out of the house and do stuff, uh, especially if you are struggling. It can be really difficult. Yeah, massively agreed. But actually, you know, having that paddle sport community almost um, will, will sometimes help you out of the house in that situation and, and, and help to keep going. And like you alluded to earlier, you can use the paddling almost to... To feel that mindfulness in terms of living in the moment, 
of that moment rather than constantly worrying. Um, and like you say, hearing the paddle go through the water and all of this, you know, drops off the leaves and um, droplets flying off the paddle into the water, just living in the moment rather than doing it thinking, bills, bills, oh no, oh no, as you're paddling, um, it's, it's really important. It's a really good practice. Um, I mean, that's that's it for all of my questions, Darren. That's been marvellous. Anything you want to discuss? Uh, I don't want to discuss anything, uh, but you know, obviously, having a platform, obviously, of a podcast, uh, just look after yourself, listeners. And uh, I don't know who you are, and I, I'm hoping that we just start talking to ourselves over this. I hope people are listening because it is important stuff. Don't. I know it's hard. I know it's really difficult. But if you need to open up to somebody, please do. Uh, if you don't feel like, you know, you can open up to to your friends or your colleagues or your paddle sport instructors and you want to open up, uh, the Samaritans are really good. Really, really good. Uh, and various other professionals as well. So please, everyone, if you do, if you are struggling, make those calls. Invite your friend around for a cup of tea. Uh, you know, have, have those discussions. It's okay to be vulnerable. You know, it is okay. And uh, on that, just let's all try and smile today. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more, Darren. And, you know, thank you very much for having, having this discussion today. I always think it's so beneficial for the listeners and um, and, and the paddle sport community to, to hear more about mental health, mental well-being, um, and the sort of almost complexities around it, but, but also just, you know, hearing it from from someone who's experienced it themselves and, um, and and can point guidance to the way of people who um, haven't haven't really experienced it. And yeah, I'll, I'll echo your words in terms of just, you know, open up to someone. You're not alone. Like I say, one in four, and that statistic is scarily creeping towards one in three at the minute. Um, just, you're not alone. It's okay to not be okay. And, and yeah, just try and like you say, have a smile today. Have anyway. a smile. Yeah, that's lovely. And uh, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you very much, Darren. Right, guys. Um, as with the last time we did a mental health podcast, there'll be some helpful links in the description for signposting, some helpful learnings. So it's definitely worth going and checking them out. Make sure you keep listening for the next episode of the British Canoeing Coaching Podcast. See you later, everyone.